You're listening to the Earn That Body podcast, episode number 308. Welcome to the Earn That Body show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Hey everyone, this is Kim Eagle. This is the Earn That Body podcast and it is always great to have you back or if you are a new listener, welcome to the Earn That Body podcast. Today we're going to talk about breath work, which is a fantastic thing to do. I don't really know what to call it. it call it an action, call it a process. Um, but most people ask me, is breath work the same as meditation and vice versa? Is one better than the other? Is this something you should be doing every day? When would you do it? Does it really matter? So many great questions about breath work. And I definitely don't want to say that breath work has become really popular lately because it's been around forever. But I have to tell you that it is something that I do. And so I wanted to share with you what it is, how to do it, what it's all about. And maybe it's something that you want to start integrating into your life to be the healthiest you that you can be. Because at the end of the day, that is the most important thing to me, that you are healthy, that you are fit, that you are strong, and that you feel amazing. We happen to live in a time where everybody is going, going, going. There's so much stress in so many people's lives, and we are sort of at this high state of high energy, high anxiety all the time. And so something as simple as breath work could potentially make an impact in your life to help sort of bring things back down to a normal level. So again, something I really want to share with you because I think it can impact your health, it can impact your life in many ways, and it's something that is simple to do, that is free, it don't need anything, and you can do it pretty much anywhere. But we're actually going to talk about that too, should you do it anywhere. So we're going to get to all of that after this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, coming to you from U.S. News, they had an article that says, unpacking the connection between diet and constipation. I don't know about you, but um, have you ever gone on a diet and all of a sudden realized that you're having trouble having a bowel movement? And does it happen to you a lot when you try to clean up your diet or try all these different fad diets? All of a sudden, do you get backed up? Because it's pretty common. I hear it from clients, um, not my clients typically, because we do in Earn That Body, it's a pretty balanced diet, but it does happen when you make changes. So this article definitely caught my eye. Now, this is what they say. They say, have you resolved to clean up your eating act? Maybe your colleagues, your trainer, your friend have been raving about intermittent fasting. So you finally decided to break up with breakfast and start eating day to noon. Or maybe all the keto hype finally captured your attention and you broke up with carbs and sugar in favor of meat, nuts, cauliflower turned everything. Or perhaps you've been reading about austere elimination diets purported to help with inflammation and decided to try breaking up with multiple food groups at once from grains and beans to nuts and seeds to dairy. Or perhaps you saw a documentary and took the plunge into a fully whole plant-based diet with minimally, minimally processed vegan type foods 
Could that be you? (laughs) But in this article, they say, as the saying goes, no good deed goes unpunished. Because whatever the nature of your big, seemingly healthy eating change, there's been another unexpected and wholly unwelcome change that accompanied it. You're suddenly constipated. And you simply cannot figure out why. Well, it may be counterintuitive. It's not at all uncommon for people to experience a downgrade in their digestive regularity alongside big change in their diet, even when that change seems to be a healthy one. And here are four of the most common reasons why people become constipated in response to shifting diet patterns and how to fix them, including what foods help constipation. All right, we're gonna talk about really quickly the four things that they are saying are causing this constipation when you shift your diet. Now, the first reason they say, listen up team, the first reason they say you're probably constipated is because you're skipping breakfast. If you have listened to this podcast, you know how much that upsets me if you're skipping breakfast. This is what they say, Hormonally speaking, morning presents the perfect pooping conditions. Their words, not mine. (laughs) Um, According to this author, the author calls this the window, the morning time, the window of poopertunity. I love that so much. Thanks to natural rises in cortisol that start at dawn and peak around 10 a.m., Our bowels are waking from their overnight slumber and become responsive to many stimuli that the day presents. A surge of stress as you hurry to get your kids out the door for the school bus, the chemical jolt of chlorogenic acid delivered by your morning coffee, and importantly, the digestive system nerve reflex that is triggered by the act of eating. Eating at any time of day provokes the gastrocolic reflex, which is a nerve signal from the upstream part of your GI tract to the colon, urging it to contract and move things along to accommodate the meal, which is currently being consumed and heading into the pipeline. But for many people, eating in the morning, when cortisol has already primed the colon, is more likely to produce a contractile wave that results in bowel movement than eating at other times of the day. So basically, for some, the morning window of poopertunity, again, my favorite new word, (laughs) is their only window of poopertunity all day. And skipping breakfast makes them more likely to miss it. So if this is you, then intermittent fasting or other breakfast skipping protocols are not likely the best fit for your system. Now people, I tell you all the time, eat breakfast. I don't care if it's small. When you wake up in the morning, you have already fasted all night. If you wanna get your metabolism going, you gotta eat something first thing in the morning before that workout. But also realize that by not eating something first thing in the morning, you're going to miss your poop opportunity and nobody likes a day without pooping, right? So there's your first reason. The next reason they say you might be constipated from changing up your diet is because your new diet probably lacks soluble fiber. So there's many popular diet regimens like keto. Do people still do that? I guess they still do. 
keto, Whole30, specific carbohydrate diets, something called an AIP diet, where all of those diets generally cut out grains. And some involve a reduction in root vegetable and fruit intake. These foods, which are rich in a type of fiber called soluble fiber, are often replaced by lower carb alternatives like leafy greens, berries, nuts, which are rich in a type of fiber called insoluble fiber. Now swapping one type of fiber for another could seem like an even trade, but it's actually not. The two types of fiber behave very differently in your digestive tract. So soluble, soluble fiber, it can hold onto water serving to plump up your poops during that pooportunity <laughs> and help keep them bulky and soft no matter how long their journey to the exit may last. But the insoluble fiber that predominates in roughage like lettuce, veggie skins, berries, nuts, and seeds, that on the other hand can really hold onto water as it passes through the digestive tract. Therefore, if you're someone whose bowels tend toward the slower side, there's a good chance that a diet heavily distorted to insoluble fiber may result in poops prone to being hard and dried out by the time they reach the end of the digestive journey. I love how they also call it a journey, but it truly is. Oatmeal and beans are among the best sources of dietary soluble fiber. But if you're committed to staying away from grains and legumes, other sources would include root veggies like beets, carrots, sweet potatoes, winter squashes and pumpkin, chia seeds, avocado, melons, apples, pears, mangoes, papayas, and kiwi fruit, zucchini, string beans, mushrooms, and broccoli. If these aren't an option, then you're probably going to have to resort to some kind of magnesium supplements. But I have to tell you personally, I do not recommend getting addicted. I don't want to even say addicted, but don't get your body used to having a supplement in order to have a bowel movement because that's truly not natural. All right. So if you joined one of those fad diets, you might just be getting not enough soluble fiber. It's creating constipation in your body. Even though you may be taking in other kinds of fiber, you need to recognize that this is probably happening to you. Now, the third reason they say your new diet is too low in fat. So when people make dietary changes like giving up meat, dairy. They often switch from eggs to egg whites only. Uh, some people are adopting a fully plant-based diet. It can result in a whole lot less fat. And what you may not know is that fat plays a really big role in stimulating motility or basically a forward motion in the colon, which in turn promotes more regular bowel movements. So giving up cheese and avocado in your salad in favor of some kind of fat-free balsamic vinegar as your dressing, or those veggies sauteed in broth instead of oil, or maybe you replaced your 2% milk with almond milk in your latte, these things can definitely impact motility signals being sent to your colon. So you might think no fat is the way to go, but again, it could be causing you constipation. Your body truly needs a certain amount of healthy fat in your diet. Now, the last reason they said is because your new diet ditches natural sugars. Some of the more restrictive diet regimens out there 
are pretty hardline approaches to foods that have more than a minimal amount of naturally occurring sugar. So things like milk or yogurt, sweeter fruits like bananas, grapes, mangoes, cherries, or watermelon, dried fruits even like apricots and certain root veggies like carrots and beets, none of which for the record are even remotely like eating a candy bar despite what the wellness influencers might be telling you. Now, Many of the natural sugars contained in such foods, the lactose, for example, in your dairy foods, the fructose or sorbitol in certain fruits can exert a mild laxative effect in your colon by attracting water into the bowel. So if you'd been eating foods on this list regularly, you may not have realized to what extent they were contributing to your previously smooth digestive function in the form of even softer stools until now if you've given them up and all of a sudden you're constipated. Now, according to this article, they do not advocate restricting any whole fruits or any vegetables or unsweetened dairy products on the basis of their natural sugar content. You just shouldn't do it, everyone. It's just not necessary, right? And what's happening is that it's causing constipation. Now, why I said that most of my clients do not see a lot of constipation is because I refuse to put them on some kind of extreme diet format. For example, I make them eat breakfast. I don't make them, but I I highly hope that they will eat. I encourage, that's the word, I encourage them to eat breakfast and that helps constipation. I encourage them to get all kinds of fiber, especially soluble. I also want them to have healthy fats in their diet and I definitely want them to get natural sugars from things like fruit and even dairy. So that is why I don't have a lot of clients who have constipation when they start the Earn That Body program um, or several of the challenges that we do as well, but it's very common for these more extreme fad diets. So something to think about. Um, I do think that if you're used to eating really crappy food and then you go to a healthy diet, even if it's it's the kind that I'm encouraging and earn that body, you still might see some constipation. Uh, I always had this like vision of the fact long, long ago, I just love to be super honest, but long, long ago, I used to eat McDonald's like all the time, for sure in high school. But then even when I um, was just like living on my own for the first time, I was frequenting McDonald's before I really understood anything about nutrition. And I was having like bowel movements all the time. And my sister used to say it was basically because my body was trying to get rid of all of the toxicity in that type of food. And I kind of think there's some truth to it. I do think, uh, well, for one, there's probably a lot of fat in that type of food, right? And fat stimulates you to have a bowel movement. Um, But I also think it's your body's way of expelling all the toxins. So that's just a little side note. Uh, I do not eat McDonald's anymore. I don't even eat Chick-fil-A. I don't do anything that is fast food just because I value real food so much today and how it makes me feel. All right, everybody, who is ready to talk about breath work? Is it something that you've done before? Is it something you've heard about? Um, I have been getting more and more questions about it, and that's always when it triggers me to do a podcast on it. So the first thing I want you to know is the difference between meditation and breath work. 
because it's common to wonder what the differences are between meditation and breath work. Some people think that one is better than the other, but really put simply, the answer is no, one is not better than the other. However, there are advantages and disadvantages to each one, and there's definitely some key differences. Now, meditation, which I highly encourage to all my clients, it's even part of my second phase of the ETB process is to start um, bringing in meditation into your life because, again, it impacts your body and your health and therefore your life. But meditation focuses on present moment awareness, and it kind of seeks to generate a focused or maybe you could call it a settled mind. Practitioners of meditation can have various different motivations, but generally they're linked to a desire to foster sort of that well-being, reduce suffering, feel better. Meditation is about increasing your awareness of how you operate and often asks you to observe your breath without manipulating it. Whereas breath work is a form of active meditation using breath work or breathing practices to try and alter your mood or even your mind state. Now, breath work exercises seek to affect the autonomic nervous system by altering either the amount of oxygen we inhale or the amount of carbon dioxide we exhale. And this exchange is super important because exhaling too much carbon dioxide, for example, during exercise or maybe a panic attack, that can cause dizziness or headaches, while restoring CO2 levels leads to a greater calmness and even this overwhelming sense of relaxation. And while we're all aware that being stressed or relaxed can change the speed and even the depth of our breathing, like how deeply you can take in that inhale, few people understand that the opposite is also true. We can actually use breath work to alter how we feel physically and how we feel mentally. And to me, that's the greatest gift there can be, right? To be able to take charge and ownership of how you feel physically and mentally. Now, breath work versus meditation, um, you know, should you do one or the other? Maybe you've tried meditation, maybe you've tried it a few times, maybe you've only tried it once, maybe you just can't wrap your head around it, no pun intended there. <laughs> but some people just get so easily distracted, they get bored, they get fidgety, and they just give up and they tell me, I cannot do meditation, like I, I cannot sit still, right? Because meditation does require a large amount of concentration, a large amount of quiet time. It can be very frustrating for some people who just cannot settle down to really get that job done. So if that sounds like you, that sounds familiar to you, that resonates with you, you're like, yeah, I've tried it, can't do it, not interested, breathwork could be a simpler, more accessible route to what I would like to say as a better quality of life for you, because it is a way that you can get a lot of that deep relaxation without driving yourself crazy that you have to sit still and like trying to find the quiet and trying to embrace all the things that meditation is trying to get you to do. Breath work sort of gets you to be very focused on the breath and it gives you something to sort of do instead of just simply saying, Stop thinking about anything. <laughs> well, that's not so easy for most people, right? 
So what is breath work? Well, let's put it this way. Your breath brings oxygen into your body so that basically your body can thrive and be alive, right? And when you're physically or emotionally stressed, it definitely affects how you breathe. And breath work helps to calm your stress and bring balance to your body. So how does that work? And what are the best techniques to do it? Well, as I said earlier, breath work kind of seems like a trend right now. It's something everybody's talking about, but it's not new at all. I want you to know that it is not new. People have been practicing breath work for thousands of years. It has a strong root in the yoga practice. And the basic idea of breath work is to release toxins and stress when you breathe out and to nourish your mind and body when you breathe in. So if you are familiar with yoga, you may realize that so much of the form, so much of the practice, so much of the asanas that you do, all are combined with breath. And so again, the yoga practice really um, has a, a strong base in breath work. So in yoga, we do something called ujjaya breathing, or in some types of yoga, ujjaya breathing. And that's when you breathe in through the nose, and out through the nose with the mouth shut, sounds like this, like a deep ocean sound. So breathing in through the nose and out through the nose with the mouth shut is something called ujjaya breathing that we do in yoga practice. And it helps warm the body up. So that is one form of breath work that maybe you have already done and didn't realize that you were doing. Now, what are some of the benefits? Why should you do breath work? Well, I have to tell you the research is very promising on breath work and I always love to hear that. Um, I, just so you know, like all my information today comes from um, Healthline uh, WebMD as well. And the research is so promising for the health benefits of breath work. One of the things they found is it helps alkalize your blood pH it has an anti-inflammatory effect on the body, and it also elevates your mood. So breath work may have this positive impact on your central nervous system as well, so that when you feel stressed, your breath tends to become fast and shallow, and that's limiting the oxygen entering your bloodstream. Your brain tells your body that there's a threat, and your body responds in fight or flight. You've probably heard of that. So then when you take time to actively slow down and purposefully breathe deeply and slowly, what you're doing is you're telling your brain everything is okay. And your brain communicates to your body, okay, it's safe to relax now. So the fight or flight response decreases and your body can begin to function normally again. Now, I don't know if you can really appreciate that, but it's really important that you understand that you have a lot more control over your body than you think you do. So again, when you feel stress come on, maybe you're at work and your boss says something awful to you and you feel like your blood is boiling, instead of thinking that you just have to sit in that, you could use breath work right there at your desk to bring everything back down to bring that stress level down and you can do it at your desk, right? Or maybe you're at home and you got your toddlers running around and all you're trying to do is go to the bathroom for five minutes by yourself. 
but they're knocking at the door. Mom, mom, mom. (laughs) Right now you're like totally like, yes, that's me. Guess what? While you're there on the toilet, you can do some breath work to control the stress and sometimes the anger and the rage and the stress, you know, that just keeps rising and rising and rising in your body, which is so bad for you and your health and makes you feel terrible. You can use your breath to tell your body, I'm okay. Communicate with your body through your breath. I mean, how powerful is that? If you really think about it, that's really powerful. And you can bring your stress levels right back down so that your body knows, okay, you're all right. Everything is normal again. Now, there's some different kinds of breath work that you can do. I want to talk about a few of them um, that you can easily start doing on your own. One of the most simple is deep abdominal breathing. This is a technique that uses a long, deep breath. And as you breathe, you can visualize your breath filling up your body. Let your uh, belly, basically, and your chest fully expand with your inhale. And then when you exhale, your chest relaxes and your belly pulls back in towards your spine. And this type of deep breathing, it tells your body it's time to relax. So deep abdominal breathing is amazing. I do it every night when I get into bed, place my hands gently on my stomach, and I do deep abdominal breathing, at least five to 10 breaths. And sometimes I drift off to sleep right there in that technique. It is so relaxing and it is such a benefit to your body. Another technique is called four, seven, eight breath. Now this technique adds in counting beats as you breathe in and as you breathe out. And it's a way to quiet and focus your mind. So four, seven, eight, this is what you do. You breathe in for four beats. You hold your breath at the top of that for seven beats and then you exhale for eight beats. A longer exhale, it encourages you to completely empty your lungs. So it would be like this. You breathe in one, two, three, four. Hold the breath there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. That is the four, seven, eight breath. Super easy to do. Sometimes after I do my full abdominal breathing, if I'm still not tired in bed, I then go to four, seven, eight breath. Feels fantastic. For those of you who struggle with the meditation, this gives you something to sort of do while you're breathing. And so, you know, it is sort of like an active meditation, I guess you could say, but it can be a little easier for people to do that kind of breath work if you're someone who just kind of can't quiet your mind. Now, the next type of breath work you could do is called alternate nostril breathing. There are certain kinds of yoga you may have done in the past where they work on this. What you do is you start with your right thumb 
applying pressure to your right nostril. So if you have the ability right now, take your right thumb, apply pressure to your right nostril, and then breathe in using only your left nostril, which is open, and hold your breath as you switch sides. So release your right thumb and use your right index finger to apply pressure to the left nostril as you exhale through the right nostril. Pause, take another deep breath in, and then alternate again. This type of breathing technique helps encourage balance in your mind and your body. So alternating nostril breathing. Then there's something called breath of fire. And this is definitely a more advanced technique. When you inhale, your abdominal muscles are relaxed. And when you exhale, you engage your core to help push the air out of your body. This breathing technique may take a little practice. You may even need some kind of coaching on it, but once achieved, it helps to provide a sense of steadiness. Then there's something called holotropic breathing. It's best to have an experienced instructor help you practice this one. And yes, there are breathwork instructors, so that is a thing. The idea of holotropic breathwork is to achieve a continuous inhale and exhale pattern with no pause in between. And this type of breathing floods your body with oxygen and renews your cells. If you think about that, it's very sort of interesting. You probably, have ne- if you've never done any breath work or thought about your breath, you probably never realized that there's sort of this cycle where you inhale, there's actually like a moment you stop and then you exhale and a moment you stop. But this type of breath work, the holotropic, is when you try to inhale, flow right into your exhale, flow right into your inhale. And so it becomes this sort of cycle without any gaps. Now, What are the pros of doing all of this? Like, why should you do breath work? Well, we live in a time where, as I said, there is so much stress and so many people feel out of control. Like they just can't control what's going on in their life. Like they're living through so much stress day to day to day. I have so many clients who say, but I'm just under so much stress. And they tell it to me week after week after week. And the reality is if you keep living like that, you're gonna have other health issues come up very quickly because stress is a killer team. And so a pro of breath work is that it helps you gain some control using your breath. So when you focus on breathing, you're allowing your body the chance to reset. You're allowing your body the chance to recover from all of the negative side effects of stress. Now, physical health benefits of breathwork may include balancing your blood pressure, more time in deep sleep, which most people need more of, reduction of PTSD, feelings of trauma, stronger respiratory function, better immune system, release of stress hormones from your body, And then the emotional benefits could include fewer feelings of depression and anxiety. It really helps people gain better mental focus. It can decrease addictive behaviors, allow emotional scars to heal. You'll gain a better outlook on life and you'll gain contentment and joy. Like very rarely, if ever, I mean, I don't wanna say never, but breathwork is not going to not 
lead to this contentment and joy because you're just simply going to feel better. Now, all of that being said, there are actually some risks with breathwork. Sounds kind of crazy, right? But risks are always there, or maybe, I don't want to call it pros and cons, and these are the cons, but breathwork therapy definitely has benefits, and it definitely has some risks. So you should always talk with your doctor before beginning any breathwork therapy, especially if you have a medical condition or if you take medications that might be affected by the practice of breathwork. And that could even include being pregnant or potentially even breastfeeding. I don't personally, I can't see how it would impact breastfeeding, but that's what they say. And so in that case, you would want to always talk to your doctor and ask them if they think that practicing breathwork would be okay for you. Doctors may recommend that you do not practice breathwork if you have breathing issues, if you have cardiovascular issues, if you have high blood pressure, history of aneurysms, osteoporosis, which is very odd to me, recent physical injuries or surgeries, severe psychiatric symptoms, vision issues as well. And you should know that breathwork can induce hyperventilation. And when that happens, you could get clouded vision, Cognitive changes, decreased blood flow to the brain, dizziness, heart palpitations, muscle spasms, ringing in the ears, tingling of extremities. So those are things you have to keep in mind. It is a reason that I initially, when I was creating this podcast episode, I'm like, oh, maybe it would be really cool to do a breathing exercise you know, in the podcast, but so many of you guys listen to my podcast while driving. And I was like, I cannot take a risk of someone doing a breath ex- breath work while they're driving because God forbid it, it, you know, created some kind of dizziness or some kind of heart palpitation. You never know. And it's also reason why you want to ease into breath work. So if you do this deep belly breathing, don't breathe in for 20 seconds like ease in here, like do a breath of three in and three out, and then four in and four out. Ease, you need to ease into breath work just like you ease into any kind of exercise, right? But it is such a benefit and really can make such a difference in your health. I will say this, that practicing through a guided recording a program or some kind of reputable organization that offers breath work is definitely the best way to pace yourself and get the most out of it. There are some really great apps these days as well that you might wanna get. I will say that in my research for finding breath work apps, you do tend to find mostly meditation apps. And as I said at the start, meditation is a little bit different than just breath work. Some of the free apps that I found, one was called Breathly. It's free and it has some nice customization options for guided breath work. One is called the Breathing app, which was also free. And one was called Breathe to Relax. And when I say free, here's a little side note that really gets me going. So I'll have to breathe while I talk about it. I'm so tired of apps saying they're free and then you download them to your phone and then They're only free if you give them your credit card and you can get it free for two weeks, but you'll have to go in and then cancel. That makes me so angry that I will not do those apps. (laughs) 
<laughs> because it's just, it's an annoyance, right? Well, Breathly, the breathing app and Breathe to Relax did not require that. You could actually go ahead and get them on your phone and start right away. They won't have all the bells and whistles. That's totally fine. I understand everyone has to make a living and the full app is going to cost me something, but sometimes you just want to try something before you buy something and I don't want to give them my credit card. Okay, I'm going to breathe now. Okay, so definitely give any of those a try because I think sometimes having that guidance, it'll help you get started. And then you'll get to the point where like myself, I lay in bed and can take myself through several different types of breath work on my own. But I really and truly think it's a wonderful way to de-stress. And instead of, you know, relying on something that costs money, whether it's a massage or going into a sauna place because that helps you relax or, you know, there's so many ways that people try to de-stress. I think you should be able to de-stress on your own for free. And it's wonderful to do it through breath work, something you can do anywhere, anytime. Well, I shouldn't say anywhere. Don't do it in your car, right? Uh, do it when you're seated and God forbid you get dizzy or anything like that. Do it in a safe environment. But you truly can do it on your own. And I feel like it always pays off. You're always going to feel better. So give it a try. Let me know what you think. I always post my podcasts on Instagram, on Facebook, and it's awesome to get your feedback. Like if you loved it, if you're looking forward to it, please give me a comment um, or share the podcast episode on social as well. That helps spread the word about the Earn That Body podcast. And I am always here to bring you fitness, health, and nutrition information you can put into play right away. Now go breathe. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.